Hey, you know what I believe? I believe that every single person can make a difference and that we all have something amazing to offer the world. I believe in standing up for what matters and in putting one foot in front of the other. I believe courage is way more important than confidence and I'm addicted to seeing people break through what they once thought they couldn't. And that's why I started this podcast. I want you to believe in yourself. I want you to know that anything's possible and I want you to find the courage to stand up and do your thing. Everything's waiting for you. You just have to believe it's possible. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast and here is where your courageous life starts. Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of the Get Off The Bench podcast. I'm so excited we've been having some really, really top class um, interviews and many, many more to come. And this week I want to introduce you to a great friend of mine, Leah Mehta. Now she's a communications guru, a keynote speaker, a coach, team builder, a corporate leader, leadership facilitator, a whole bunch of other things that I can't even say actually, but pretty much everything... Uh, it really just involves teaching people how to get out of their own way and develop some great soft skills. Now, look, she's also the founder of and the big girl boss of um, her own business, which is simply called Leah Matha. And she's also the author of the widely read and acclaimed book, Soft is the New Hard. And she tell you, you know, she is a great friend of mine, but on top of that, she's one of the most reliable and level-headed people I know and somehow just knows the right things to say to get you back on track. And trust me, I know that because I've had to ring her a couple of times. Anyway, so let's dive in and we'll find out more about Leah and see if we can grab some wise advice on communicating effectively and also on how to manage some of those um frustrations and wild emotions that um, may be rearing their ugly heads right at this crazy time so let's get on to it so welcome Leah thank you for having me Karen and thank you to everyone out there listening well it's my pleasure and I'm sure it's their pleasure as well (laughs) oh look I hope so we're gonna have some fun I know I've got some great questions to ask you and um you know I'm expecting that at the end of this I'm going to be like a, a communications guru myself. Do you think that's possible? Oh, of course. It only takes 45 minutes. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you might have been communicating one way your whole life, but no, gee, 45 minutes will be right, <laughs> if only. <laughs> <laughs> and I do communicate a little bit off the cuff sometimes on Facebook. I have to admit I'm a little bit of a bugger at that, but that's okay. I do air my feelings quite um honestly and brutally but let's forget about me and my little rants on Facebook and I want to hear about you so tell us about you Leah Matha and tell us about your journey to where you are now so Leah Matha who am I big question so I know who am I I live in the gorgeous little Gippsland town of Willow Grove and I I start with that because it is uh, so central to who I am and you know I've lived here my whole life I did a lot of travel in my 20s right around the world to some really cool places and I think you go either way when you travel and it either makes you say you know what I'm never going home or it makes you really appreciate where you live and and I came home and certainly uh, had that experience and it's a gorgeous little country town and I live here with my husband uh, Tim and three gorgeous little kids uh, three boys uh, that are three and a half years apart they're now 10 8 and 6 so they keep me on my toes oh I bet 
Oh, they sure do. They sure do. And, you know, professionally, who am I? I started my career as a journalist, actually, for the local newspaper, the Latrobe Valley Express. And I did really well in school. And I, we might talk a bit about, you know, I, I did really well. I had very high expectations on myself, though, and, you know, could be guilty of being a bit of a perfectionist. But I loved journalism. And even though I had some teachers trying to push me down the, um, the law route and, you know, some other careers like that, I said, no, I love writing. So I pursued that for a few years and did some travel around it. And then I jumped ship and went into corporate communications uh, in the water industry, actually. And I'll be honest, the reason I jumped ship was to fund my travel habit. <laughs> and um, I loved it though. I loved working uh, in that environment in the water and power industries. And I moved into leadership uh, in that role. And I'd always done leadership in a community sense, been involved in lots of uh, committees and community organisations. It was mm. a very strong family trait. Yeah. Uh, and I went in, did leadership for a while, loved it. Had my first child and decided to resign from the, uh, you know, the corporate job. And it was when I was on maternity leave that I decided to start my own business. And initially that was all about just keeping my skills up while I was on maternity leave because I didn't want to have a big gap in my resume. But I, um, yeah, I, I kicked it off and just started out doing, you know, odds and ends of consulting for some of the organisations I'd worked with before and people I knew and did that while I, I grew my family. And then, uh, you know, it really started taking off, mainly in consulting. But it was, I think it was 2015 when I ran my first workshop. And that came about because a lot of people were saying to me, oh, Leah, you know, you're you're really assertive and you know this communication stuff well and you know I ju I'm just not good at having a difficult conversation or speaking up you know can you teach me how to do that and so I started running public workshops uh, my first public workshop was around remove the roadblocks and then I moved into the assertive communication space and look it just flew from there because really what I teach as you mentioned in the intro are those soft skills which are mm. it's the people bit it's you know the stuff that is crucial to our success but that a lot of us have never been taught whether it's communication leadership resilience and people are crying out for it so now it's a full-time gig i've got um an assistant who works for me part-time as well and i work right across the world now uh, thanks to technology but still predominantly in gippsland it's my favorite place to work and I, I do, I teach people uh, how to get out of their own way with the development of soft skills, which are really bloody hard. Uh, yes, really bloody hard. Much harder than um, hard skills because you can just learn them and just develop them and just, you know, move on. But the soft skills are... And a lot of us are not very good at communication, though. You know, we can say we are, but um, it's it, it, communication is not just about getting your message across. It's all about the innuendos that go in there you know and or the body language and the you know the what tone. tone we use and mm. yeah and all that sort of stuff and you know how, how do we be assertive without being aggressive and you know it, it's, a, it's a lot to it it's a really big um complex area and it's not something we should take for granted it's something that we should actually employ the services of a guru if we're in a um in a role that where communication really is our our big gig you know it's really important 
Yeah, and look, the reality is communication and that human connection underpins every single relationship we have, whether it's with our partner, with our yeah. kids or in a workplace, and none of us get it right all the time. I mean, I teach this stuff. I've written a book on it. <laughs> I stuff it up all yeah. the time because I'm human. And so that's what really developing communication and soft skills is about. It's about acknowledging that we're all a work in progress. None of us are perfect. And all we can do is continually seek to improve, grow, and develop. Yep. Because none of us are born perfect. I mean, you know, I say I am. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm joking. Oh, look, it is surprising, though, how many, uh, you know, I, I work with people right across organisations, but uh, particularly with leaders. And, you know, I might get brought into an organisation and they'll say to me, oh, Leah, uh, can you help us deal with this person because they're the problem? And I'll always say to the leader, yeah, absolutely, I can I can help you with that, but let's start with you. Yeah. And I can't tell you how often I'll kind of have, you know, someone get their back up a bit and go, no, this isn't about me. I can imagine. <laughs> you know, it always starts with us folks. You know, we yeah. might think it's the other person, but we always play a role in some shape or form and, you know, Improving our communication is an inside-out process. And you're absolutely right. You know, I've done a lot of um, behaviour management, you know, and if, particularly yeah. for people with disabilities. And the, it's always a case of if you want somebody else to change their behaviour, you have to change yours first. And, it, and it's Spot exactly on. the same with communicators. Same with everything. You know, it's it's uh, if you want to live below the line and, and blame other people, you know, you you're not going to get anywhere unless you no. get above the line and start looking at yourself as well. So, Yeah, that personal responsibility piece is huge. It's hard. <laughs> Look, it's way easier to deny, blame, justify and defend. That's why people do it. But yeah. if you want to genuinely develop, if you want to get better outcomes when you're relating to and working with other people we do have to look at ourselves and take personal responsibility for our own communication and behavior yeah and when you're saying you know it's way easier to do all those you know the blame game and everything else it's it's kind of like and I say this the same as with getting off the bench you know with it with a getting your project up and running it's kind of like you have to go through that blackberry patch before you can get to that beautiful green field. And, you know, it's just kind of like once you go through that and once you do all that hard work and get on the other side, it becomes easy. It becomes easy to be vulnerable. It becomes easy to communicate effectively. Not easy, you know, but easier. And it just sort of becomes part of your every day. But you do have to go through that blackberry patch or and cut yourself up and feel terrible and want to give up and want to back out before you can get to that beautiful green field you have yeah, to yeah and and you know the other cliche because it's true is that the magic happens outside your comfort zone and you know it that is so true because you can deny blame justify and feel sorry for yourself and it's always someone else's fault and they're the problem and go into that real victim mentality yeah. but if you live your life like that you'll get to the end of your life whenever that may be and, you know, you'll think things like, well, geez, that wasn't fair, was it? You know, why did bad stuff always happen to yeah. me? You know, and you'll probably be quite miserable, feel hard done by, and guess what? It doesn't change anything. Mm. And, you know, if you take that personal responsibility and get out there and have a crack, you get off the bench and you'll fall flat on your face sometimes. It won't all work out. It won't all be roses. But if you do those things... 
when you get to the end of your life, hopefully a long time from now, you know, you want to look, be able to look back, or at least I know I certainly do, and say, well, I had a crack. Exactly. You know, I had a crack and some stuff worked out and how great was that? But I actually took control of my life. Mm. I took control of my communication and behaviour. I tried the things I wanted to do and, wow, that was a life well lived. Exactly. You want to skid into your grave. Yes. I do. Yeah. yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. Me too. I want, you know, it. look, you know, not to get fatalistic on no. everyone, but, <laughs> but, you know, sometimes I really do think we, we forget that none of us get out of life alive. And yeah. I just, and I know, Kez, you have, and I certainly have too, you know, lost people far too young in our yeah. lives. And I think... It really does make you stop and reflect and say, you know what, nothing is certain. Mm. And I just think that we hold ourselves back in so many ways and we all do it. I do it too. Um, You know, we can be our own worst enemies. But really, if we want to do the things we say that we want to, we have to get out of our own way and go out there and try them. Yeah, we do. Yep. And when you said before about, you know, falling flat on your face, you know, giving something a go, you are going to fall flat on your face at times because none of us are, none of us come complete, you know, with that complete set of skills to and, and perfection to make something worse, but I, to make something work. But I tell you something, I would rather fall flat on my face from my own doing than be pushed because I was playing the role of a victim, you know, yeah. and, and it's... You know, I was the one that tripped myself up. That's okay. I can laugh at myself. You know, and you can move on much quicker than sort of turning around, fighting the fight, you know, blaming the enemy, punching them down, rather than just getting up, dusting yourself off and just moving on, you know. so Yes, spot on. And you can learn from it too. Like, that's the beauty. You know, you fall on your face and you go, oh, jeez, you know, how did that happen? What would I do differently next time? But if you don't try it, you don't learn. So you don't improve and you just stay where you are. If you want to get better and whatever it is in life, if mm. you want to improve, get better, it, you know, it is having a go and if you fall on your face, okay, what yep. will I do differently? Which road will I take next time? Well, unfortunately, there's um, it's kind of built into us as humans and maybe it's something we've learnt that when we do fall flat on our face, we give up, you know, and this is... a. Just, this is not what we should be doing. You know, like when I'm starting this podcast, I mean, I think you're about, I can't remember, maybe episode seven or eight. But the thing is, it's, um, I could have pained over this. Oh, well, if you heard the introduc- introduction uh, podcast, you know, episode, I talked about putting this off a couple of times. But because of circumstances and because of my own um, feelings of guilt, you know, it's not time yet. You know, how can I be sort of... Um, you know, praising, praising around doing the get off the bench dance, you know, when there are people suffering and stuff like that. However, the, the, and that wasn't because of fear, but I still did it. And we were just talking before we started recording today, you know, that nothing's perfect, you know, and if you don't start, when you start, you're not going to be perfect. But if you never start, it'll never be right. Like you've just got to start and build your skills as you go. That's right. And here's the thing. And anyone listening who knows me knows that this stuff is easy to say, particularly for me. And it's easy to say, but harder to do. And when I say particularly for me, I 
for much of my life was a notorious perfectionist and it is still something I have to actively work against now. Mm. I know perfection is stupid because it's not possible. Um, But particularly in my teenage years and early 20s, I put incredible pressure on myself and I can still be guilty of it now, like I said, particularly when I do get a bit stressed out or overwhelmed. And for a long time, you know, I did fall into that trap of, you know, only doing something if I knew I would be excellent at it. And Mm. if I thought I might fall on my face, well, don't try that thing because, you know, and this holds so many people back. They don't go for a promotion because what if they don't get it? Or, you know, they won't try that thing because maybe people will think they're a bit of a fraud. And it was something that, you know, when I I really did realise in my 20s how much it was holding me back and particularly when a dear friend of mine did pass away very young um, from breast cancer and I just went, you know what, Leah, you can hold yourself back or you can get out there and do it. And I Mm. think for me, starting my own business and, and putting myself out there it was great in forcing me out of that comfort zone and forcing me to go well the only way you're going to go the only way you're going to be successful in business is if you do keep moving and adapting and putting yourself out there and being okay with it not being perfect (laughs) because if you if I wait for it to be perfect if I get everything in a row the world's moved on and you know I haven't done I haven't sold anything I haven't presented and you know then not only is that silly for yourself but if you've got skills that you can be out there teaching people Mm. they just want your they want those skills they don't need you to be perfect no and and it's it's essentially selfish you know to be holding holding back something that you're really good at and not doing it but you know if you how do you feel now like because you push through you push past your perfection you know you got out there and you did started up your own business now I I know you that would have been like oh my god real blackberries you know but how do you feel now like on the other side of that you're so glad you did it and you feel like what benefits are there that you can see I love it I would not trade what I do for quids. And I've got to say, I've had some cracking great job offers over the years, Um, you know, particularly in my, as I was doing consulting work and the training, which I did for a while, you know, I was out there running workshops, but still consulting. And I had a a couple of very good job offers during that time. And I knocked them both back because I said, no, no. I love what I'm doing too much. This is my passion. It is my purpose. And, you know, I get to be out there working with people from all walks of life, you know, going Mm. into different organisations. And essentially, I get to lift them up and I get to equip them with skills that, you know, some people tell me that it changes their life. And I don't say that with any ego because it's not and it's not me who changes their life. It's them changing their own life, but with a little nugget that I might have put in their brain or given them to think about. And, you know, to be able to do that, to be able to make a difference in other people's lives and empower people and help them get past some of those roadblocks that I've faced as well. um, Oh, God, it's rewarding. I wouldn't, I would not swap it for quids. And, you know, to be my own boss, uh, to 
be able to work around my family, to be able to support uh, my family through some really challenging times. I just, yeah, like I said, I absolutely love it. And I it never would have happened. The safe option mm. would have been to, you know, have my family and then go back into corporate. Yep. And I would have been, I would have probably, I wouldn't have been miserable. I was going to say I'd be miserable and I wouldn't because I, I loved my corporate work. But it wouldn't have given me the fulfilment and the purpose that I have with what I do now. Yep, I agree. And so if you were looking at, um, you know, be, before the, the fear, I guess if you rated it out as a, you know, from a zero to ten, you know, of the level of, um, I, I'm trying to think what I'm trying to say, like like the, I'll, I'll just call it fear, you know, the, the pushing yeah. through to not doing your own thing you know I have to get my ducks in a row I have to get it perfect you know blah 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 like oh it's too scary it's too big you know that one out of ten compared to one out of ten where would it be like now that you're doing your own now that you have come out the other side so yeah look well does that make sense you know it does (laughs) it absolutely does but you know what and I think this is a lesson for all of us um there's that great uh quote about how you don't need to see the whole staircase to take the first step absolutely and for me I think what worked really well for me with starting my business was initial I didn't see it as oh I've got to launch this big thing and it's got to you know be full-time and it's got to sustain me and all of this you know for me it was going oh I've just had a baby I still want to keep my skills up let me just put it out there that Mm. hey if anyone's got something they want help with I can do it you know I've got a few hours I can do some stuff and and when I started the workshops it was you know putting it out there don't know if anyone will be interested don't know if it'll sell let's just see what happens Mm. um and I think that's been one of the great learnings that I still draw on today which is uh, and it's actually you know and I we might talk about it a bit later but my top business value is have a crack (laughs) and I I come back to that all the time and I go well it might not work but have a crack and see how you know see how it goes and it you know to anyone out there thinking of starting their own business you know I think we get it in our head oh I've got to you know I've got to do the research for this many years and then I've got to you know have it all perfect instead of going maybe I'll try a bit of a side hustle while I'm still in my job you know maybe I'll test the waters and take a little step here or there and and see how I'm you know see if there's interest we we don't have to just jump from you know nothing to all in all of the time and there are times when all in is necessary and I've done that too Mm. over the years but I think just taking that step and that helps reduce the fear because it takes the pressure off instead of going I need it all perfect just going I wonder what would happen if I tried this yep exactly and it's I love the having the crack that's my top one too just have a crack just have a go take the first step have a go and you know what? I've done that many times and failed yes it's, it's just uh you yes I think one of the key things is becoming friends with Freddie Failure. You know, him mm. and I are great mates because, boy, I've screwed up a few times. But <laughs> it's 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 kind of like, well, no. If, if I asked you, do you remember all the times I failed? You'd be like, 
Mm. No, I know you have because you've said it, but no, I can't really remember. Do you, you know, like people aren't yeah. out there measuring your failures. They're just no. not, they're not doing it. And if they ever do, and I mentioned this in, in my book, Get Off the Bench, you know, if somebody does say to you, um, if, some, if you screw up and somebody's going to talk about you, all it's going to be is a coffee. Oh, did you hear that Mary did this? Oh, by God, she shouldn't have done that, did she? And then within two minutes, they'll be like, oh, I don't know what colour to paint the lounge room. You know, Absolutely. Dead sad. People don't give a toss. You know, they're not talking about you like you think they are. Yeah, and this, you know, the um, example I often give when I speak about this as well is, um, you know, I'll say to someone who's really overthinking, you know, what's everyone saying about me? And I'll say to them, so how much are you beating yourself up and thinking about all of this now? How much are you in your head? And they'll be like, oh, flat out, it's all consuming. And I said, I'll say to them, you realise everyone else is the same. <laughs> you know, yeah. we forget that we, when you stop and go, how in my head am I? You know, and you think everyone else is thinking about me. No, they're not. They're thinking about themselves too. <laughs> they are. You know, they're all caught up going, oh, you know, what about me? Oh, did I just say something? Like we're all the hero <laughs> in our own show. And like you said, if someone does comment, it, it might be a passing thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and yes, there will always be people out there who will tear you down. Yep. But here's the thing, they will tear you down whether you're out there having a crack or not. Exactly. And something I say on that is that the, the people that are tearing you down are the ones sitting on the sidelines, not in the ring. The people who don't have the courage to get in the ring themselves, do you know, and don't even worry about what the hell they're saying. Something you said before was very interesting. Um, you're talking about the... Uh, you know, having a go at a business and that sort of stuff, or not just a business, a hobby or something that you yeah, want to achieve. Uh, it's, but, but particularly business, I think, you know, when you're talking about running workshops or when you're thinking about teaching somebody something or writing a book, you know, we often will underestimate or undervalue what we know about the subject. And we, then we start to research, and I've done this myself, I know, oh, I might write a book on well I don't know I'll make something up you know um, rebuilding motorbikes or something and then you start to look online and think well let me get a whole lot of research and stuff and then you see that there's already 10 books on how to rebuild a motorbike yes. so then you say well actually I can't do that because I'm not an expert they're clearly experts and I'm not an expert and this imposter syndrome just bloody mm. takes over and we don't do the things we want to do but you know I could have done that with get off the bench you could have done that with your communications book you know anybody we all could have said there's already heap of people doing it and yes there are but there's not already people doing it the way you would do it you know and the way you do it is what your niche or your family or your tribe or your group needs to hear it they need to hear it from you not from the other expert and everything you've got to say is valuable and and in your voice they need to hear it in your voice because some people still trip themselves up they get past that initial imposter syndrome they go no I do have something to say and I am going to say it and then they say oh but I need to write it in a way that's really academic so I sound smart and and it's like no actually what people need to hear is your voice and it might not and this isn't just writing books it's whatever it is whatever you're putting out there it won't connect with everyone and that's yep. okay yep. you are never going to be everything to everyone but the right people 
yeah. it will absolutely connect with. And that's so true. I, I can't tell you how many, and you've probably heard it exactly the same as well with your book. I can't tell you how many people have said to me, I'm reading your book, Karen, and I can imagine you standing there saying those words, do you, you know, and oh, I'm yeah. sure you will have got the same with your book. Do you, you know? that? Yeah, it's... I get it all the time. And I, I really consciously wrote my book like that. I just, so did I. you know, I went, my style, as people are probably working out, listening to me, it's plain speak. I, you know, it's not the fluff. And it's obviously, obviously, it's often, I should say, what surprises people when they come along to one of my workshops on communication or emotional intelligence, whatever it is. And I think they have a perception of what I'm going to be like <laughs> or what the session's going to be like. And, you know, I'll often, I do training, you know, in minds with, you know, guys and girls who have in industries that have never done anything in this space before and you see them walk into the session like arms crossed yeah what a load of crap is this that the boss has signed me up for some wanky communication workshop here we go yeah and then you know i'm plain speak oh lots of practical advice and stories and tips and you know i um remember one session earlier in the year in in a mine and you know, the guys, big burly guys had walked in and arms crossed and one of them said about 10 minutes in, he looked at me and he said, this stuff, this is really going to help me at home with the missus too, isn't it? And I said, <laughs> yes, yes it is. And he was like, yeah, yeah, actually, this is all right. And, you know, it, it, it affects everything, but you need to do it in your voice. And that wasn't me pretending to be, oh, look at me, you know. Yeah. I'm going to come into this mine and change who I am because I'm presenting to these burly guys. It's just people can see when you're being authentic and real and um, it's so important to do that. Yeah, I agree. And you won't, and and it's right, you won't swim with every fish in the ocean, you know, and it doesn't, you don't have to. You just, because, uh, you know, I've got to be a really big um, belief that if what you do makes the world better for one person, then you're successful, you know. That's, that's it. All we need to do is be true and, you know, just just think, I just want to make a better world, you know, and, and you will resonate with people and they will go out and make a better world and it just builds from there. So, you know, if you don't share that, you're actually withholding, you know, mm. from other people growing. So, yeah, that's anyway. Now, um, so with uh, your under the brand of Lee Metha, you Mm -hmm. do, you know, you do keynotes and you do corporate training and facilitation and all that kind of stuff. And you also do a newsletter. Now I want to, your newsletters are fantastic. Um, I I think you call them newsletters, not blogs. I'm not sure, but they come out, they come into my inbox and they're fantastic. (laughs) Um, Now one recent one that I actually, I'm going to talk about two or three of them because, you know, they're always got um, an amazing little, uh, like a metaphor or you know something that's really good so guys if you're not signed up to Lee's uh, I'm going to talk about this at the end anyway but go to her website leahmetha.com.au and uh, it's in the show notes anyway but sign up to a newsletter because it's great but one newsletter I want to talk about just actually I think it was the last one came out a few days ago was you talked about this uh, Stockdale paradox so yeah. tell us about that that was really good read a really good read Thank you. And it's so relevant to the time we've found ourselves in. So in a lot of the training uh, and in my book, 
I talk a lot about the work of another guy called Viktor Frankl. And if listeners aren't familiar with him, I can't recommend enough his book, Man's Search for Meaning. And Viktor Frankl was a Holocaust survivor in World War II. <sighs> and he wrote about the power of choosing your response to life's circumstances and how when everything else can be taken from us, you know, everything's gone to hell. The only thing you have left within your control is the ability to choose how you respond to what's gone on. Now, mm. it's incredibly powerful. And James Stockdale built on this theory. James Stockdale was an admiral uh, in the US military and he was the highest ranking uh, US official to be captured by uh, during the Vietnam War. And he was imprisoned in the infamous Hanoi Hilton uh, prisoner of war camp there and he was actually uh, held for almost eight years and he was repeatedly tortured during that time and um, in about in the late 90s I think it was a guy by the name of Jim Collins an author uh, interviewed Stockdale for his book and some listeners might be familiar with his book uh, which is called From Good to Great it's a classic uh, business book and Jim Collins spoke to Stockdale and he said how did you get through this, you know, being a prisoner, not knowing when it was going to end, you know, being repeatedly tortured, you know, going through stuff a lot of us can never not mm. even really comprehend the yeah. how horrific it was. And Stockdale said, well, I never lost faith in the that in thinking that I would prevail in the end. I never lost faith that I would get through it and prevail in the end mm. and Collins thought about that so essentially you know that's that bit of optimism that hope that yep. he never lost that hope but then Collins says to him well who didn't survive who didn't survive the war and Stockdale responded with oh that's easy the optimists and that really stopped Jim Collins in his tracks and he said what do you mean the optimists you know every sort of self-help you know, positive thinking gurus always saying it's all about optimism and positivity. And Stockdale actually said, no, the optimists were the ones who didn't make it through. And Viktor Frankl said the same thing after World War Two. And they both said the reason that the optimists didn't survive was because they always thought that the war was going to end on Saturday or on Christmas Day or whatever day it was soon. The war was going to end, everything was going to go back to normal, hunky-dory. And then that date would come mm. and the war wouldn't have ended and they'd sink down into a hole of depression and then they'd go, oh, it'll finish next weekend instead. And then the same thing would happen. And, and both men said, look, eventually these people died of a broken heart. Mm. So Collins then said to Stockdale, well, I thought you just said, you know, you never lost hope that you'd get through. And Stockdale, and I'm paraphrasing obviously here, but Stockdale said, this is a really important lesson. Never confuse retaining hope that you will prevail no matter how difficult things get with the ability to face up to the harshest, brutal reality of what you are going through mm. and Jim Collins went on to describe that idea that you have to have hope and optimism but you also have to balance that with realism 
of Mm. what is actually going on around you. And he called that the Stockdale Paradox. And essentially what they're saying is that to be resilient through difficult times, and, you know, the world is going through an incredibly Mm. difficult time at the moment, we do need that optimism and hope. But we also have to go, this is the situation we find ourselves in and we can't change it. So what do we have to do to survive it? What do we have to do to deal with it and get through it? And we can hope that it will finish soon and that things, you know, go back to some semblance of normal. I think we all know it's mm. not going to be a as, you know, normal to what it was before yeah. uh, COVID-19. But I think, you know, it's such a relevant concept that we need both. We need hope mm. and optimism, but also realism and acceptance of where we're at. Yep. I think it was it's it's a wonderful paradox that and it's oh. so 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 relevant to now as you said it's you know yeah because um, if you go either way on if you don't have both if you just yeah. have you know naive optimism then you will you know that's like both men said then you think oh yeah you know restrictions are all going to lift it's all going to be back to normal in two weeks fantastic i can kick off my life again mm. and then when you it hits that oh geez that's yep. not what's going to happen you spiral out of control but by yep. the other token if you don't have hope and optimism and you just go well this is the way it is and it sucks and it's the end of the world and it's awful well then you spiral as well because you spiral into that depression so Mm. that paradox that hope and optimism and uh the reality of the brutal facts you know that realism they're not exclusive they're actually they both need to exist side by side yeah yeah i think it's it's so true and i'm you know you see a lot of people sitting on either end of that you know yeah so we need to be sitting right in the middle and really dovetailing both of them and there's going to be days of optimism and days of realism or even hours of optimism and hours of realism and i think we're all facing that we're all up and down all day you know very often about certain things and the news just anything we see on the news or on facebook or on any twitter or anything (laughs) like that sort of spirals us back you know shoots us back up again bang you know we're but yeah and that's where Frankel's work then becomes so important because we don't want to just be at the moon. And I know we all are. We are to an extent, you know, impacted by what's going on around us. But that's where these two concepts are so powerful because we come back to Frankel's words of around the only thing when the last of the human freedoms is taken from us, the only thing we have is our choice about how we respond. And I mm. find that really comforting and also centering yeah. when if I do feel like I'm starting to react rather than respond I come back to hang on Leah you've got a choice here you've got mm. a choice about how you respond and then Stockdale's work comes in and I say no I can get through this I'm a resilient person I have the skills it is hard though and you mm. know an example of that for me uh, right now and we were talking about it beforehand is at the moment I am juggling running a full-time business from home with also caring for my three boys at home, 10, 8 and 6, and supporting them for remote learning of school. Mm. And that is bloody hard. (laughs) And pretending pretending like it's not doesn't Mm. help me, you know. And pretending, you know, who knows what will happen with schools, but I'm prepared for it to be quite a long time and I hope it's not I hope they do are somehow able to go back because the testing shows that it's 
not as widespread who knows who knows what's going to happen but i am optimistic that i will get through it but i'm not shying away from the fact it will be hard yeah and i'm optimistic they will eventually be able to go back to school but i'm not pinning my hopes on well it has to be in one week or two weeks yeah, yeah. you know and that gives me the resilience that helps me not pinball around as much i agree but it also um you because you, you know you're a solid leader in in the gippsland community and it's you know the people look to the leaders you know when we're facing hard times and you know sometimes as a leader you know there's the feeling that well i have to um, pretend everything's okay and i have to keep a stiff <laughs> stiff upper lip and people are depending on me and everything but in actual fact it's more comforting to people when leaders are saying you know what i'm struggling too you know this, this oh, is actually quite hard and it makes on. them feel okay you know it's okay vulnerability fosters trust and respect yeah okay if we if as leaders it's one of the biggest misconceptions of leadership is that um that you have to be the strong person who shows no emotions that pretends like they've always got their shit together and actually it takes far greater courage to show vulnerability and say you know what this is bloody hard and i'm struggling too and here's what i'm doing to help manage myself under these circumstances. When you show your humanity, when you show your vulnerability, people then realise and recognise that as a leader, you are just like them and you're dealing with similar struggles and this is what you're doing and it will all be okay. And that just builds trust and respect like nothing else. So, you know, it's a conversation I'm often having with leaders around if, if you just going cold and pretend like it's all okay and no nothing to see here nothing wrong i've got it all covered Mm. then you just create disconnection with the people around you and distrust yes just well speaking of of that that's a good lead into the next part i was going to talk to you about about your uh one of your newsletter items is uh, talking about the permission to feel so you've kind of started to touch on that anyway but um and you're saying how it, it it's critically important at the moment to articulate your feelings so do you want to just expand on that just yeah a little? absolutely so at the moment you know like you said some of us are all over the shop you know or we can we can fluctuate of where we're at and it's really easy to just keep being sort of almost like on the hamster wheel without mm. doing any reflection and thinking about well how actually am i traveling at the moment and The reason it is so important to stop and to give yourself permission to feel Mm. and to try to acknowledge and articulate what that emotion might be is because you can't change what you don't acknowledge, Mm. okay? You cannot change what you don't acknowledge. So in really any aspect of your life, if you uh, want to get through this current crisis in better shape than you are at the moment or you want to be a better leader or a better communicator that first step is that really honest self-reflection and um, am i allowed to swear a little bit yeah it's oh, not a bad word i thought you, i better just, just can't say the real naughty words <laughs> no, no i won't say the real naughty words so honest honest self-reflection is essentially my polite way of saying do not bullshit yourselves people yeah. Yeah. We are very good at it. We're very good at telling ourselves stories to justify our behavior. And if we don't stop and give ourselves permission to feel, 
You know, I, mm. and I look, I was guilty of this too. About a week and a half ago, I let myself get very stressed out because I was trying to juggle the business and the kids and schoolwork and I was not nice to be around. I was yelling and I was, you know, I just was not pleasant to be around. And when I stopped and did this honest self-reflection myself and, you know, asked myself some great questions like, what's it like to be around me? And I tell you <laughs> what, that's a hard question to answer sometimes because yeah. when we're stressed, we're, we're caught up in our own selfish headspace. And yeah. when I stopped and went, what's it like to be around me right now? What, what's the Leah experience like for the other people in my house? I went, oh, it's not very good. Mm. And then I said, well, what emotion am I feeling at the moment? And I went frustrated and overwhelmed. That's probably the two that I'm really feeling. And once I named them mm. and recognised that's what was going on, then I could do something about them. Yep. Then I could go, that's, what, that's why I'm yelling all the time. It's not because the kids are being terrors you know mm. they are sometimes don't get me wrong <laughs> but it wasn't that that was going on it was i was experiencing these emotions so now i needed to do something about it now if you you know some people will say to me oh, i don't do feelings <laughs> well here's the thing you don't do feelings at your peril because if you sus uh, suppress your emotions if you bury them down and say no no nothing to see here no feelings no not me they will come back to bite you on the bum mm. and big often, time. And often in a, a health issue. Yeah, Very often. in a health issue or you blow up yep. at someone. You know, in workplaces you see it where people suppress their emotions and push it down, push it down, and then the tiniest little thing sets them off. Yep. They fully lose the plot. Next thing you know, they're getting made, you know, they're getting the sack because yeah. that behaviour wasn't okay. You know, you know, you see it when people lose a loved one and mm. they don't grieve and they shove all of that down and then two, three years down the track, yeah. they fall apart because they haven't given themselves permission to feel. Now, I speak a lot about emotional regulation and emotional intelligence and how we all need to work at being able to manage ourselves under pressure more effectively. Mm. But it's so important to understand and to not confuse emotional regulation with emotional suppression because they are different. Yep. You have to give yourself permission to feel. And, you know, the of course, one of the best people in the world uh, who speaks on this stuff is the fabulous Brene Brown yep. um, and she's got a cracking great podcast as well and I actually referenced that in the newsletter um, her podcast um, Unblocking Us and she's got an episode called Permission to Feel and you know I encourage people to listen to it because this stuff is the hard stuff but if you can deal with that if you can be really honest with yourself and say this is where I'm at then you can move through it quicker and get out yeah. the other side you don't get stuck Yep, absolutely. But it's it, it's the feeling of people have a feeling of being weak, you know, when they yeah. It's, it's um I think it comes from that whole you know well boys don't cry and you know that yes. kind of rubbish and it's uh it's it's seen as a weakness to show your emotions. But you you and I know and most people know that you you're actually more attracted to people who share their emotions. Yeah, you know, you, and you find them more attractive and that's trustworthy right. and. Yeah, and it's showing your emotions in an appropriate way. Yeah. You know, it's it's not about saying, 
oh, you can, you know, go to work and feel all the feels, so you can just be one extreme to the other, so no one ever knows where they're (laughs) going to get around you. It's not about that either, but it is about being able to own it, acknowledge it, so you can then move through it. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. it's a great topic, and we all need to be doing that at the moment, just to you know, just to help ourselves. And yeah, just you know, stop now. You know, I encourage people while they're listening to this, ask yourself that question: How are you going at the moment? You know, what is it like to be around you? Are you where you would like to be? If, and this isn't about other people. This mm-hmm. isn't about oh, I'm stressed because the kids or or yep. my husband or my partner or whoever it is. This is just about how am I doing at the moment and what am I feeling? Mm, great questions. Well, I hope everybody does just pause for a minute and ask those questions. I'm going to at the end of this because if I start yeah. doing it now, yeah. we'll, we'll be off in another tangent. You know? <laughs> uh, uh, that's good. And so when we're talking about, you know, this current situation and, yeah. you know, we get sick of talking about it, but um, we do need to because there are people struggling with it. But um, a lot of businesses have struggled, you know, because, mm. uh, you know, nobody expected that all of a sudden, bang, just in an instant, yeah. it's gone. And so, you know, people have had to really pivot and really say, well, what can I do? Restaurants have started doing, you know, takeaway meals yeah. and all that sort of stuff. For you, uh, all of your work is in front of people, you know, mm. and it's, you know, I, I know because it's the sort of work I do, you know, standing there in a room full of people and suddenly, yeah. no, 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 that, you know, that's not on. So what have <laughs> you done to... Um, Pivot, you know, pivot your yeah. work so that people can still get the benefit of you, you know, and so that you can still not lose work. You know, what yeah. have you what have you had to change? So I changed. I changed really quickly. I, I think I actually had the benefit before um, restrictions were uh, brought in in Australia. For the week before that, I had a cold, and I had a cold as it was starting to, you know, sort of be out there and so I a week before all the restrictions came in I worked from home that entire week and did my coaching sessions uh, remotely via zoom and one on one coaching is not a big deal to do it that way you still it's essentially the same experience Um, and I was looking at what was happening in Italy and you know around the world and I kind of I really got a sense that week of going oh this is coming what am I going to do here? And I was booked out for the next three and a half months with face-to-face workshops. Yep. So I went, right, this is coming. You know, how can I move quickly? And one of my one of my top uh, business values, of, along with Have a Crack, is Kill Your Darlings. Now, it sounds brutal, but it's <laughs> not. It's, um, it's an old writer's term and being a, having a background in journalism and creative writing, it's one I'm familiar with. And Kill Your Darlings is this idea of being prepared to let go of the stuff you love in, in writing, it's being prepared to cross out those beautiful flowery sentences if they don't serve the story. Yep. And I apply that to my business. So that week I was going, yes, you love face-to-face work. You, you know, you love all of that stuff, but actually you got to kill that off for a while mm. because it's not going to serve you here. So what I did, the very first thing I did, and I'm still so glad I did this and I, I would do it again in a heartbeat, the first thing I did was come from a point of generosity. Mm. I didn't get out there and try to sell 
to my clients i reached out as the as things were changing and as um the restrictions came in and you know people were panicking and businesses were suddenly having to send their staff home i was reaching out to all of my clients and saying how can i help you how can I help you right now? Because if ever there's a time people need the skills that I teach, the skills to have difficult conversations, to communicate mm, and self-manage yeah. under pressure, it is right now. Yep. So a lot of people, I think, and a lot of the workshops I had booked, people initially were ringing me to say, and thankfully they were postponing rather than cancelling, but I was saying to them, you know, I can still do this now, I can still help you now and actually you might really need my help now. Mm. And people really responded to that approach of saying, oh, she, you know, she's trying to help. And I, you know, I, that was genuine. That was mm. me saying, yeah. I know I can help people right now. So I started doing and offering emergency coaching yep. because a lot of leaders suddenly found themselves leading remote teams with no idea of how to do that. And I've led a remote team for the last, uh, three and a half years you know my staff are remote so I started I picked up a few coaching clients which like I said easy enough to do uh, via zoom but then I transitioned some of my training and my workshops online as well particularly workshops around difficult conversations but also one of my workshops is called calm the farm (laughs) self-management under stress and so those were the sort of things I could do. Now, it was really different to go, well, okay, how am I going to do that online? One of the first things I did was to say, I, if I've got, you know, a three-hour workshop, well, I'm doing them in one-and-a-half-hour blocks over separate days because no one wants to be sitting at their computer yeah, yeah. for a really long training. I also went, I'm doing them all live. You know, the yeah. thing that I bring to my training is my energy. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I did was say, I'm not just going to share slides because that's boring as hell. Yep. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with some slides, but that's not what people are buying from me. So yeah. I went, well, you know, I'm going to deliver it in a way that's as naturally me as possible. And I've done quite a few. Well, actually, I've done a lot and I've got a lot more coming up over the, the coming months. And, you know, it it was about adapting. It was about saying, I, I've got to do it differently. And it wasn't trying to do what I did before and just saying, do it online. I think that's a mistake yeah, a lot of yeah. people make. It's about going, how can I deliver the same outcomes mm. in an online environment? So I, I, I'm, really, I'm really proud and I'm really happy with how I've been able to, to pivot and transition. Yeah. I'm still, it's essentially me doing the same stuff and teaching the same content but in a different way and with a different focus it's to help people get through this time now you know Mm. and a lot of working from home stuff again i although most of my work is face to face out in organizations training and delivering keynotes my i've had a home office and i've worked from home for nine years Mm. i've worked around a young family i haven't had the added challenge of being the teacher before but um well and i'm not the teacher i'm the facilitator um i haven't had that challenge before but i i have had that working around distractions and kids uh challenge before so it's sharing as much as i can with people to help them through and so it's again it's lifting people up mm. and i just am so grateful that we have technology that allows us to keep doing this and 
you know, there's a lot of people out there that this is the perfect time to be developing their skills in these areas and they need it. You know, they're under incredible pressure and when we're under great pressure, our communication's not at its best. Yep. No. Well, you've done a really good job. I've been trying to do zooms one-on-one and holy hell you know i've been having that much luck with them and i'm I'm just working on a um you know write your next chapter uh you know workshop and uh we're just gonna you know give it give it to um five people you know like a little group because we were uh, were going to be doing retreats this year and clearly that's now on the back burner but and i i have no idea how to do five people or a hundred people i have got no bloody idea but anyway i'm gonna have to you're gonna hit hit me up (laughs) yeah and you're gonna Absolutely. But here's the thing, Carrot. You know, we don't have to do it on our own. No, I know. You know, none of us do. Whether it's learning how to do a workshop with multiple people on Zoom or whether it's working from home or whatever it is in our lives, you know, we don't have to do it all ourselves or reinvent the wheel. There are people like you, there are people like me out there willing to share, willing to, you know, and sometimes it can be... You know, and this is one of the reasons I'm so big with people on get a mentor, whether it's a formal mentor or informal, or reach out, build your network of the right people, supportive people who champion and lift each other up. Because when you get that community, and I'm so grateful that I have that in my life, but I've built it, you know, it didn't, it doesn't magically happen. You you know, you, you build these networks, but then you can just, shortcut so many things because Mm. instead of bumbling around trying to work it out you can ask someone and they can share this great wisdom with you and you can go right here I go now I'll try it myself great well I I will be asking you thank you very much yeah I will be (laughs) when Nikki said you need to ask Leah because she's doing them I said Oh, Lee's very busy, but yes, I will ask and she might give me a few hints. Of course I will. <laughs> no, that's good. But it's when you're talking about the network, I was just saying that. I just um, interviewed, you know, the week before you uh, is uh, Christy Nichols from Nicaragua. I was saying the same thing. And actually, I don't know if I said on the podcast or afterwards, but I'm feeling so blessed, you know, to be... Uh, the people that I have in my life, which is people like you and her and, you know, amazing people. I have um, an incredible bunch of friends, you know, an incredible yeah. network. And, and they're all um, just just amazing people. And, and you're, you're right, it's not, by, it's not by chance. It's not because, oh, you know, you're a cool person. It's because – and it's not because you go sucking up to them. It's because of the relationships you build and the generosity that you show to Spot each on. other and the – yeah, support that. And and the honesty, you know, that, that if someone sticks a hand up and says, I need help, you you just say, yeah, no worries, here you go. And that's the stuff that builds great networks. It's digging, yeah. digging you well before you need it, you know. It's, Absolutely. And like you said, the key word there is generosity. It is, yeah. You know, and I teach networking workshops and, and that's because people come to that workshop thinking, oh, it's about selling myself oh, and all yeah. of this crap. I'm like, no, no, no. That's why it hasn't been working out for you. Yeah. If you want to build relationships, great relationships, a supportive tribe around you, support other people, yeah. lift them up. You know, we in Gippsland, in the industry that you're, you and I are in, Karen, we, yeah. I think, are so lucky yeah. because we have this great community of small particularly women um, in business, in whether it's speaking, coaching, training, mentoring, facilitating. 
and we all know our strengths and we lift each other up yep and if someone gets offered a gig and it's not really in their area yep. they'll say oh I can't do, I'm not your person, but give Karen a call or yes. give such and such a call. So it's about collaboration over competition. And when you oh, do 100%. this, when you, when you lift other people up, then guess what? It's not why you do it, but then they do the same to you. Of course, and it's it's not, and it, you're right. It's not to gain points. It's not to no. do a tit for tat. It's because you feel bloody fantastic, and and you don't want yeah. to be doing a, a job that is not built for you. You don't. That's right. You're, you're fake. You know, people hate you. It's just like yeah. oh, boo, get her off. Yeah, but it's, exactly. But you you occasionally so... you get someone who you know. Occasionally you'll get someone who has that whole old school competition oh. first and all can't share anything with them because then that's given they'll them steal a, it. they'll steal <laughs> it or no i can't keep teach karen how to do zoom because geez what if she gets good at it yeah like, no <laughs> you know the, that rubbish it that yeah. you know that mentality that it's feast or famine you know like that oh if i give something away um and it's not about being sucked dry either it's not about you know that you give everything away and let everyone use you it's not that but if you lift each other up gosh it's a beautiful thing it really is i i'm always saying that competition went out in the 80s just forget it yeah it's collaboration all the way or don't or don't be in the game yeah it just doesn't work so well, um, so, okay, so, you know, thinking about um, the things you're saying about pivoting and all that kind of stuff, and really when talking about f- soft skills, you know, um, people mm. might not really know what soft skills are, but yeah. in this what in this day and what, what you're doing, flexibility, adaptability, resilience, you know, those kind of things, they, they are the soft skills yeah, that people it's... need at the moment. And... Oh, absolutely. And soft skills, really, when we say that, all we're talking about, so there's this the whole soft and hard skills goes back and they're probably they look well they are they're wrongly named right but hard skills are the practical technical skills that you can go and study uh, at uni or at TAFE to do a particular job yep. so it might be accounting or engineering or uh, maths is a hard skill uh, as in a technical skill yep. soft skills are not job specific they are what make someone good to work with, not just good at what they do. They're yeah. the interpersonal skills and the self-management skills. So they are the, they are so crucial. In it does not matter what job you do, mm. if it involves working with people, yep. Then the soft skills are important. And like you said, at the moment, adaptability, resilience, you mm. know, self-management, emotional intelligence, communication. They have just never been more important for a lot of people than they are right now no it's critically important well um now speaking well i'll just keep moving on because i know your kids are going to start banging on your door yeah. soon and saying give us <laughs> me will. dinner yeah but, um, <laughs> and one of the things that you're very well known for um for advocating for people is to say no more often so yes. tell us why that's so important it sounds oh, rude it's, but it's not it's important no it's so important and i'm so glad you've asked me about this because at the moment I need to take my own advice and um, I know look I speak about this a lot but there's a lot of us out there for different reasons who really struggle to say no some people struggle to say no and it's an assertiveness issue it's 
they maybe don't feel worthy or they don't feel valued and like they have a voice so they are the yes people the people pleasers who who always say yes but some of them um you know like i know for me it's not about uh being scared or unwilling to say no it's because i genuinely do want to help all the people and i can get myself into trouble because i take on more than i should and then that causes issues for me but the reason it's so important is because if we say yes to everything um we just tie ourselves in knots mm. it can lead to real build up of anger and frustration um you know it can be something that's linked for some people to self-doubt so being able to say no is actually a really critical skill to develop mm. i remember hearing you speaking i think it was at the girls with hammers conference um and you saying and, and it's really stuck with me you know that if you don't say no like if you don't mm -hmm. learn to say no you're going to say yes clearly because that's the opposite yep. but if you say yes to something that is not important to you but you're doing it out of obligation mm -hmm. or you just feel you should you're actually saying no to yourself you know you're saying Spong. no to something that's really important to you and that has never left me since since you saying yeah. it you know and it's and I, I think about it all the time you know if, if I if I agree to this I'm saying no to something mm. for me and by the way, I should tell you that I often say, what would Leah do? <laughs> <laughs> Look, and, and you're spot on. It's every time we say yes to something, because some people go, oh, I couldn't say no. Like, But you, what we've got to realise is every single time we say yes to something, we're already saying no to mm -hmm. something else. Something else. Because time is finite. Yeah. <laughs> we don't get more of it. So if I say yes to uh, that little job for someone that I really didn't want to do I need to understand that if that then means I have to work all weekend on it I mm. am saying no to myself my kids and my husband yeah am I okay with that yep. now sometimes you might be sometimes you might go no I, I get I've got to do that this weekend okay but just asking yourself that question if I say yes to this what am I saying no to yep. can often be enough to prompt us to say no at the start because we think hang about and you know I'm sure I'm not the only one who's made the mistake before where you've said yes to something that you didn't really want to do mm. and then some awesome opportunity Murphy's Law has come up <laughs> for that day or that time or and you have to go oh I've already committed to something else Yep, I've, I've got to it. say no. Damn it. I want to do that. And, you know, so it is so important to develop that. And it is a muscle. It's a muscle and a skill of saying no. And I, I mm. do have a whole heap of tips for doing that. Um, but I think, you know, it, it is something that I've had to remind myself of at the moment. And I, I put a post up on social media this morning about um, what would I say to a friend? Yep. And it was a question that I had to stop and really ask myself because you know in terms of taking on too much we sometimes we're our harshest critic we're so hard on ourselves and mm. we never treat ourselves the way we would our friends and yeah. you know it's a question I often ask I'll think what would I say to a friend right now because chances are I wouldn't have the self-talk I have for myself to a friend you know mm. you'd build your friend up or you'd say you know what you're doing a great job 
You're yep. human. You can't take on everything right now. You know, you're trying to run a business and raise your kids and school them. You can't, like, just take a breath, Leah. It's okay. Mm. And I went, that is, that is what I would say to a friend. Yep. So why am I not saying that to myself? Yep. So that helps me say no. That's um, it's something that this I've found as an opportunity in this current time. You know that not not being able mm. to go out of the house and everything else. It's something that I've really started to think about. Is what would I say to a friend? Do you, you know? And yeah. and what am I? What do I not want to do anymore? You know, and I've been yes. very very um. Well, I haven't been 100% clear, you know, I haven't really completed my list, but I've started mm. on my list of, you know, I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to do that. And something else that, Nick, you know, I've started doing is we're saying that we will not work after dinner. And we have yeah. always worked after dinner. You know, yeah. both of us are terrible yeah. at it. And and we've decided that, no, we're, we're not. Once dinner's, once dinner's on the table, there's no more work for the night, no matter who's texting, messaging, emailing, nothing. It's, it's finished. And we've been watching Grace... Grace and Frankie on Netflix, yep. and I swear, <laughs> I love it. We're hooked, and you now, now we've got a new bloody problem because now it gets to ten o'clock. Should we go to bed or watch another one? Now let's watch another one. <laughs> Half past ten. Should we go to bed? Now let's watch another let's one. Let's watch another one. <laughs> I yeah. said this morning. No, now we're getting into another bad habit. <laughs> now we've got. Uh, to, now we're going to pull ourselves up at ten and say no more Grace and Frankie. But yep. but but having this downtime has been a wonderful opportunity for me to say I don't want to do that shit anymore. I'm not yeah. doing that anymore. And it's um starting to really I'm I'm feeling great. You know, I know there's a lot of people at the moment feeling terrible, but I'm actually using this as a real great opportunity to say to have a clean out. And I've actually yeah. done some physical clean out in the house as well, which has been helpful you know, you know, as well. And yeah. it's um it's been good. But, but you're right. It's think it's doing that thinking about what what about this current situation? What do I like about what's going on now? Yeah. In, and of course, I don't mean, you know, with what's going on in the world, but about, you know, what can I take out of what's happening now and that I want to keep and what don't I want to go back to? Exactly. You know, yeah. so there's so much, you know, I, I know one of my um, my best mates is uh, runs a personal training and gym business. Yep. and when all of this was happening and you know we were looking at at the restrictions coming in i actually said to her right we're going to get you on zoom and i'll teach you how to use it so you can do live virtual classes oh good now she has been doing that and they are brilliant i'm loving it i'm exercising more than i have for a long time (laughs) and people you know she's getting 25 people on a live workout and you know people from right around australia but the tribe i have always been exercising with and i actually said to her the other day when we finally can go back and you can reopen your gym i reckon you should keep a couple of virtual classes every week for all those people who can't get there because maybe their kids their baby's asleep or or they live out of town, or they live in another part of the country. I actually reckon, yes, we want to go back to face-to-face, but keep a couple. And she yeah. she said the same. She said, absolutely, I really can see that this is something, yeah. a real add-on for my business. So, yeah. you know, what what do we like? You know, what so a lot of people are saying, well, I actually quite like being able to spend time in on the weekend and not having to run from one oh, obligation to absolutely. the other. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm loving the the whole the fact that I'm home all day and I'm not getting that feeling like, you know, at, at, at one o'clock in the afternoon, oh, crap, I've got to go out soon. You know, I, yeah. I can't start this dinner. And, and sometimes yeah. I'll have days where I've got to go out at two and I, and I won't do anything. I mean, I will, mm. but I do all the emails and all the crap because I think oh, I can't start anything big because I've got to go out. You know, Well, now I've just got all this time. I'm just like starting yeah. all the big stuff and it's, <laughs> yeah, it's I, you know, I, I'm really loving it. But anyway, I better get keep moving. Now, you um on one in one of your uh, email uh, newsletters, mm-hmm. which I love. Who are you? You ask two questions. Yeah. Who are you, and who do you want to be? And you, this is around your values, and and give us a bit more on that. Yeah, values are such an important thing to think about. And you know, those two questions: Who am I, and who do I want to be? The who am I question really links back to what we were saying earlier about that self awareness around. Mm. That's a where am I at now question. But the big follow-up question is who do I want to be? Mm. And this is where, you know, knowing and being able to articulate your personal core values is so absolutely important now some listeners might be thinking oh bloody values you know they work at they work at an organization where they've got their corporate values in a frame on the wall they look lovely no one lives them but they look nice up there on the wall um this is not that we are talking about you knowing your personal values and the reason this is so important is because they really do guide decisions they make decision making easy if you live true to your values Mm. they reduce stress because you're staying true to who you want to be um they make you happier yeah and they're they're essentially your they're your home base so I've I got really clear on my values a couple of years ago my my personal values and also my business values and they're very linked they're very intertwined but you know they are a bit different and through the toughest times that I've been through and there's been some that's for sure Mm. knowing what my values are knowing who I am at my core who is Leah even though all this crap's going on around me who am I and being able to come back to those few core values allows me to reset and say yep life might be going to crap around you but this is who you are and you need to live true to that because if you don't live true to your values you get that feeling in your gut yep you get that feeling where something's a bit off and you don't know why and often it's because you're living out of alignment with yourself yeah yes i agree yeah it's um it's something that a lot of us don't sit down and actually take the time mm. to to do our values. So guys, if you you know there's another one for you, you might want to pause it or do it at the end, jot them down now. The two questions are who are you and who who do you want to be or who yeah. am I? Who do I want to be and you know, have a th- have a think about what you you really value and you know um I've actually gotten a, a values exercise that's on my website under okay. the resources tab. It's a PDF, you can download it print it out um it's a great it's got prompts on there it's got a big long big list of things that you can start whittling your way down and when you talk about when we talk about core values it's really important when you ask that question of who do i want to be it's not who do i think i should want to be yes yeah it's not about what you 
think you should write as your core value. Mm. It's about what is really true to you. And of course, you'll have heaps. But if it comes down to who is the essence of who you are as an individual, what would you have? And, you know, I, I often tell a story. So my in my personal life, the top three values that I live by, the first one is zest. And for me, that means enthusiasm, yeah. uh, positivity, you know, just this zest for life, loves life. The second one is courage. And that encapsulates things like perseverance, mm. determination, um, you know, really being in there to be courageous, to yeah. have the difficult conversation when you need to. And the third one is mercy. Mm. And that's around kindness mm. and forgiveness and, you know, um, being being that kind person and the person who is empathetic and compassionate. And, you know, they're the three for my personal life. I've got, I've got some humdingers for uh, my business as well. But, you know, the thing I, I talk about there family is not in my top three values. Now, that does not mean I don't love my husband and my kids and my extended family. But if I'm true to me to live the best life I can and be the best wife, mother, family member to those around me, Mm. I will stay true to those three things. Now, for some people, maybe family is in their top. But you want to always question, you know, if if everything else was stripped away, what makes me true to me and the reason I say that is because I've run this exercise with year nine students in a local high school before and it was great and they did it but then when I I said uh, to them you know what are your top values about a third of the class said family Mm. and I called bullshit because year (laughs) nines are trying to tell me that family and I said okay yeah so if we're living true to our value of family um on the weekend when you've got like got that big family thing but your mates want you to go somewhere, of course we're choosing our family. And they mm. all just looked at me. Like you had two <laughs> And I went, I went, maybe let's do a bit more thinking on this. <laughs> and, our, and our values can change over the years. Yeah. And it doesn't mean, you know, it, but it is something, it's such a great thing to really get clear on because it that is. clarity, I've knocked back jobs based on that before on yeah. my values when I said earlier that I'd had a couple of great job opportunities over the years yeah. um, the thing that helped me make the decision comfortably and confidently was I came home I looked at my values and said could I live though would I be living those values could I live those values in that role yeah. and I went you know what not really yeah I'd probably enjoy it it wouldn't be awful but what I'm doing now is true to me and true to my values well, I've had, um, you know, offers to speak at, I'm not going to name them, but uh, twice yeah. it's happened to me um, to speak at farming, you know, that type of thing, mm-hmm. um, seminars, and I've just said no, you know, and they've said, oh, well, you, your name was put forward, and I said, I, it doesn't fit in my values, you know, I'm mm. an animal rights activist, and I I can't, like, it, I just can't, it doesn't matter how yeah. much you want me there, there's, it's just it's not going to happen. So, yeah. and it's a it's it's about knowing that. Yeah, it's about knowing that, and you know, owning that. Because mm. the reality is, if you had said yes, you yeah. probably wouldn't have done a very good job. And I know you're a cracking great speaker, but you know, when we're not true to our values, that sits in our stomach. 
and yeah, it does. you would feel sick. You oh, I would. would and resentful. I'd be very, yes. very angry with all those yeah. places. <laughs> yeah. The poor yeah. buggers that just thought they were there for a keynote. And, um, <laughs> Ended up know, getting an animal rights rant. Yeah. yeah. And and it's it's not about us putting our values onto other people. Like, it's not no, it's that. Not. And I know that's not what you're saying yeah. either. Yeah. But it's about you just living true to you to yours yeah. so for, for example with mercy being a big one for me um i don't hold a grudge and that mm. can be hard sometimes yeah but and it can be hard to forgive people sometimes but when i come back to that value i say but leah that's who you are you know that's who you are mm. that is at your core and it doesn't mean i let people off the hook and get away with treating me yeah. poorly or anything like that but it, i do practice empathy and yeah. I do recognise that if I hold on to a grudge, the person that hurts is me. Yeah, exactly. It's like... Uh, you know, it doesn't hurt the other person. No, it's like <laughs> drinking poison and expecting them to die. It yeah, doesn't, it doesn't exactly. work. Yeah. Exactly. So using your values to um, get off the bench, you know, if, if you're going to, going to go and do something, you've got something up your sleeve that you really want to get started, make sure it does align with your values because yes. you, otherwise you, you're just doing it because of somebody else's expectations or, as Leah said, who you think you should be or mm. doing what you think you should be doing. And it, that doesn't work. It absolutely doesn't work. And I know I've done it. You know, Leah, you would have done it. Yeah. It does not work. You feel sick and it's not worth it. So if you've got something that you do want to get off the bench, do it in line with your values. So get onto Leah's website first and have a look at the values and get clear on that first. But what do you think, Leah, is the number one thing that holds people back? Oh, that's so simple. What ourselves. Is it? ourselves. <laughs> it's ourselves. Yeah. The biggest thing that holds people back in life is themselves. Yeah. And I'm guilty of that too. We will make it about situation and circumstance. We will say, oh, no, it's this this thing or that. Um, the biggest thing, and I'm not saying those things don't matter, just let me say, I do, I very much get that some people have extraordinary hardship and, you know, really tough situations that they're dealing with. And I'm not um, saying that that is not the case when yeah. I talk, yeah. when I say this, but when we are very honest with ourselves, the number one thing that usually holds us back in life is ourselves and it's our self-doubt our feelings of inadequacy imposter syndrome our fear of failure but also interestingly our fear of success um, that holds a lot of people back they're scared that if they shine too brightly people will tear them down so yeah. better to just sit in my little box instead um, but it's us it's it's us not putting ourselves out there you know which is why the get off the bench message is so important you know we will hold ourselves back our yeah. whole lives and like i said earlier then we get to the end of the, our life and we say what if and oh. to me that's heartbreaking like that to me failure in my life would be getting it's not having a crack and falling flat on my face failure for me is getting to the end of my life and saying i wonder what would have happened if I'd backed myself or if I'd tried that thing or if I'd got so you know it it really does we we hold ourselves back in so many ways and that's why everything that I do is about helping people get out of their own way because it just you know there's nothing better than seeing when people really 
step into that light and and get off the bench and you just see people shine oh you do that's my favorite bit just seeing the light come on in their eyes and bang and they're off once they got that first step down there they boom and they yeah i get so many messages from people saying guess what guess what guess what and it 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 makes me buzz you know because i think god all they needed was that one push get a stand on that first step just stand on it yeah for god's sake stand on it you know (laughs) that's right that's Uh, right and there is nothing more rewarding i i got an email last week from someone who'd finally had a difficult conversation they'd been putting off for ages and they were so excited and it had gone way better than they'd expected and they'd been stewing on it for you know over a year oh people do oh yeah they do and this person was so excited and i was you know i was jumping around my office i was just as excited for them (laughs) and that's that's part of it isn't it you know being a good mentor is cheerleading other people i remember doing uh, the mentor walks and you know one of the mentees that i had She's saying, oh, I mean, you know, I'm in a man's world and, you know, uh, all I just want is a um, recognition for what I do. And, you know, I keep trying to book uh, meetings and he won't listen to me. And and I said, so, and I told her courage is more is more mm. important than confidence. Forget the confidence, yeah. you know, and get Spot in there, on. go in there. And you just say, I want this meeting. You've been putting me off and I deserve to have a meeting. She said, I can't do that. I said, yes, you can just go in there and say, we need to have this meeting. I don't want to put off any longer. Oh, I can't. He'll sack me. And I said, so, well, so what? Then he's not worth working for just go in you know blah, blah. but anyway she did she did and yeah. she, she went in the next she said oh, I was shaking and she said we need to have this meeting she said I stood in my courage and and she had he said well sit down and they had the meeting and she got us said you ask what you want and she said I want a pay rise and I want um and a promotion and he said done Good on it. and she oh. she emailed me they said oh my, oh my god I can't believe yeah. it and I said it's not you know people respect people with courage you you know you don't have to be aggressive or abusive you know just have to go in there and say no look I deserve this you're not in a victim I deserved you know but in a fitting can put it on the table conversation and you'd be surprised what what yeah and it's you know the questions that help with that to step into your courage you know three really simple but powerful questions what's the worst that can happen yep what's the reality if it did happen and then how do i mitigate the worst from happening yep good questions often what's the worst that can happen now if it's oh my gosh i lose my job if that genuinely is the worst that can happen well maybe you don't have the conversation however in most cases you (laughs) know (laughs) if this person yes i would i but for some people yeah and I've, i've spoken to a lot of people in this situation they'll say no i could lose my job and i'll say okay is that really the worst that can happen? And yes, for some people it is, and yeah. I totally get that. But, you know, I worked with one lady in particular that I, I talk about in my book, and she was getting abused horribly at work, mm. and she said, I might get the sack. And I said, okay, so is that the worst? And she thought about it for a second. She said, no, hang on. The worst that could happen is I say nothing, mm. and this continues. Yep, good. And once she had that realisation she had the courage to have the conversation because she went, the worst that could happen is actually staying silent. So even though I'm terrified of this conversation, mm. it's not as scary as staying in this situation I'm in now. That's a good little story, actually. It's spot yeah. on. And I bet there's a lot of people in that situation. You know, there Absolutely. would be. 
Oh, right. Well, uh, we better wrap up. So what do we you... We better. <laughs> this has been lovely, though. It has. I could talk to you all day. <laughs> I know. It's great, isn't it? What, what advice, and so could I, by the way, and I will be, but won't be all day about the Zoom. <laughs> but anyway, um, yes. what, what advice would you give mm-hmm. to anybody who's like... Because this is about get off the bench. I mean, this yeah. episode is about you, of course, but, you know, the podcast. So um, somebody wants to get off the bench. What advice would you give mm. to someone who's got an idea in their head but he's being held back by themselves or their self-doubts? What advice would you give them? Yeah, look, um, oh, gosh, there's so much. There's I know. So, <laughs> I think I would – I think um, understanding that self-doubt's normal yep. is is the very first step. Um, understanding that it's totally normal and it's what you do with that that is yeah. the most important thing. So that question we asked earlier about what would I say to a friend? Yeah. You know, what would I say to a friend? And just take the first step. Mm. Just take yep. the first step. And, you know, there are people out there willing to help. Mm. So seek out the right people around you. That's important. When I say the right people, you know, it's not about telling everyone your idea because someone will try to squash it. Okay? Yep. Like, yep. But, you know, that very first step, I just go back to my top value, which is have a crack. Yep. Just have a crack and just start. Yep. Baby steps. Yep, I agree. At once. One step at a time. Just yeah. you know, do the first one. I say do the first one and the next paver appears. Just step yeah. on that and then the next one will appear and, you know, it's just... Spot on. But just give it a go because you're going to regret it. You know, that that yeah. book that Bronnie Ware wrote, you know, the regrets yes. of the dying, you know, it's... Yeah. Oh, serious. You can't get to the end and go, why didn't I try no. it? And, and there's another great saying, you know, in, in a year, will you be glad you did or will Wish you yes. did, and I'm always of the you know, I'm glad I did. Glad always, you did. always yeah. glad I did. So, absolutely, yeah. 100%. well, this has been absolutely bloody fantastic. I oh, always same. love talking to you. And, um, so where can people I want people to go to your website because you've got the resources on there. I want them to sign up to your newsletter and get that information because you send out some crackers of emails that are really helpful. So, tell us where we can find you all of those website, Facebook, Insta. Yeah, so the website is leahmether.com.au. You can jump on there under the resources tab. There's heaps of free stuff there that you can sink your teeth into. There's also links to where you can buy my books and and the things I have coming up. On Facebook, uh, Leah Mether Communications and Soft Skills Specialist. I do a weekly uh, live video called Ask Leah. So if anyone ever has questions for me, you can send them through and I'll answer them uh, live on Facebook, LinkedIn, just at Leah Metha and on Instagram, Leah Metha Speaker. I'd love to um, love to have a conversation with people. Fantastic. Oh, those things are so easy. There's no excuse not to find Leah. Go find her. Uh, check, you know, uh, like, like, love, share, you know, all of those things and be participate in everything that Leah's got going on. So, Leah, thank you so much for joining us. I've absolutely loved this. And um, I hope that, um, you know, people have really, really enjoyed what you've had to share with us because it's been some real, real gold nuggets in there. My absolute pleasure. And thank you so much for having me, Kez. And 
keep doing what you're doing because I just, I love, you know, I love the message, get off the bench and it's so yeah. aligned with what I do as well. Yep. And, you know, keep on keeping on because you bring so much joy and awesome energy to the world. Oh, thank you so much. Well, you know, I feel like ditto, but thank you. All right. My well, pleasure. I hope that it won't be too long before we can actually see each other in person and um, you're going to get a big squishy. So hope that's Perfect. okay with you. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll catch you later. Thank you so much. See you later. Thank you. Oh, guys, how was that? Dead set. Get onto Leah's website and download some of those resources. Sign up to the newsletter because they really are crackers. And if you're still with us, this has been a very long podcast, but I tell you what, well worth it. If you're still with us, you just got yourself one of Leah's workshops without even leaving your house. So, you know, these are really, really valuable workshops and you've you've practically sat through one and got all the gems. So kudos for you if you're still sitting here with us and really get onto it and, and give Leah some love because she's a real cracker of a human being. I really love her with all my heart. So, and thank you guys. I love you guys too, because I tell you, this podcast wouldn't be going on if you guys weren't um, joining us every week. And I really hope you're enjoying it. I'm really trying to bring you people that are going to, you know, give you some great ideas and give you the courage to try your own thing. And there's so many people out there doing their own thing. There's no reason why you can't be too. So Anyway, I really hope that's what it's doing for you and hope it's inspiring you. And I look forward to um, having you with me next week. So until then, see you later. Hey, thanks for joining me. It really does mean the world to me. Now, if you or somebody you know is doing amazing things, make sure you send me an email to info at getoffthebench.com.au. That's info at getoffthebench.com.au. Otherwise, head on over to my website at kerenvaughan.com and tinker around there a bit and send me a message. Okay, catch you next week.